Welcome to Theology on the Go, a brief interview podcast from placefortruth.org. Place for Truth is a website of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, which we'd encourage you to visit. After the podcast, listen for details on how you can receive free resources from the Alliance. We're here today with Dr. K. Scott Oliphant. He's Professor of Apologetics and Systematic Theology at Westminster Theological Seminary in Glenside, Pennsylvania. He's the author of a number of books and articles on the subject of defending the Christian faith, and we're delighted that he's joining us to speak on the topic of covenantal apologetics. Dr. Oliphant, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Now, before we get into covenantal apologetics, can you give a brief definition of what apologetics is, just Christian apologetics in general? Yeah, the word um, is not one in popular use, obviously. It uh, comes from a Greek term, which means defense. Um, so when we're talking about apologetics generally, it's a defense of something. Plato wrote an apology and included in that Socrates' defense of his own um, uh, behavior. And when we use it in in the Christian context, we're talking about defending the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how is covenantal apologetics then different, or how is it distinct from just the broader application of the term? Right. I think the the primary difference uh, in covenantal apologetics, as the name uh, sort of implies, is that it has its foundation and its roots in Reformed theology. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a couple of ways to think about it. Um, one is the covenant that God made with man, mm-hmm. and um, as the Westminster Confession of Faith uh, puts it, that uh, implies and entails um, God's voluntary condescension uh, mm-hmm. by which he relates himself to to his creation generally, but to man more specifically is made in his image. So that's God's covenantal initiation, sovereignly administered. And then uh, on the basis of that uh, relationship that God has established, uh, all people are defined and understood as being with and in one of two covenant heads, either in Adam or in Christ. And so the way God has arranged uh, creation and the way God has arranged our relationship to him is through a covenant representative, which would be either Adam, uh, in which case we abide under God's wrath, or in Christ, in which case we abide under his grace. So it starts with this understanding that everyone is in covenant with God, and then how does that sort of play out in terms of apologetics? If that's the standpoint you're starting from, how does that play out in in terms of your defense of the faith? Right, good. Um, Well, I think most centrally, one of the things that we try to um, help people understand uh, is that everyone has some kind of relationship to the true God. The way that Paul articulates it in Romans 1 is that all of us uh, who are fallen in Adam nevertheless know the true God because God gets that revelation through to us by and through creation. So that's a relationship with God. But as Paul explains, it's not a happy relationship. It's a relationship uh, in which the wrath of God abides uh, on us. And so when we're talking to people who are outside of Christ, it's, it's uh, necessary for us to recognize that these are people who already know God, but, as Paul says, 
they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So they're not neutral then, in other words. That's exactly right. They're not neutral with respect to God. And, and of course, these are things that Scripture tells us that many, uh, probably most unbelievers, wouldn't admit to. So the point here is not uh, initially what we say to them. The point is what we believe when we're talking to them, and what we believe is what Scripture tells us about them. So, so for example, um, when we're doing apologetics, defending the Christian faith, because we recognize that people already have the truth— our goal then is to communicate the truth, which comes from special revelation, which they don't get through natural revelation, communicate that truth to them in, an, in, a, uh, in a defense, maybe in the face of an objection, but communicate that truth to them such that the truth that we communicate meets, meets with the truth that God has already been communicating to them so that there is a connection between belief and unbelief that's made by virtue of God's revelation. So really what we're doing in our apologetic is presupposing the truth of Scripture, who God is, what Scripture says, as we approach people who already know the true God but suppress that in unrighteousness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it requires then a, a knowledge of the Bible, a knowledge of what God has revealed about himself then. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think one of the things that's, to me, most exciting about this approach is that um, because God commands us, 1 Peter 3.15, to be ready to give a defense, to set Christ apart as Lord, and to make ourselves ready to give a defense, if God's going to give us that command, and by us I mean every Christian, then he'll also provide uh, the means and tools that we need to fulfill that command. And really all we need is uh, Scripture, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. And once we have that then, uh, we can meet the objections that come. Now, some of those objections, uh, obviously in the history of uh, philosophy, for example, we recognize some of those objections can be uh, very sophisticated. And so there are times, of course, when uh, it's useful to answer sophisticated objections with sophisticated arguments. But that's not always the case in apologetics. Sometimes the objections are, are, are simpler than that, and, and they're the kind of objections that the church ought to be ready to meet, according to Peter, 1 Peter 3.15. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we, we understand, we're meant to understand and apply the truths of Scripture to people uh, who abide under the wrath of God because they know Him. So you mentioned the Word of God and the Spirit of God. When it comes to the content of the Word of God, what things would you say someone really needs to understand about the Word of God in order to share the gospel faithfully and well? Right. Well, in, in the history of, of Reformed thinking, we've, we've talked about um, what we call principia, Latin word that just means foundations for uh, um, Christianity. And there are two. One is a foundation of knowledge, uh, which is Scripture itself and God's revelation more generally. And the other one is a foundation of existence, which is God himself. So the first things we've uh, got to get straight are the two principia, the two foundations of the Christian faith. That is what Scripture is. So there we need to recognize what our doctrine of Scripture is. And then who God is and how he's revealed himself. And once we think about that latter principium, who God is and how he's revealed himself, we immediately then move to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how the triune God works in the economy of redemption. So we're thinking about the Father who sends the Son to accomplish what Adam failed to do, to be obedient perfectly, 
uh, in our place and then our faith in him by virtue of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Those things are all requisite for us to properly communicate, I think, and defend the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. No, that's very helpful. Now, I wondered, last question, if you could just draw the distinction slightly more sharply between covenantal apologetics and other kinds of apologetics. What do you see as some of the core problems or deficiencies with other kinds of apologetic approaches that don't necessarily uh, frame things in this way. Right. Well, yeah, thank you. I I would say, um, for one, uh, the apologetic that would follow most closely the methodology of Thomas Aquinas um, has, by Aquinas' own admission, has its roots in a neutral notion of reason. So Thomas thought, uh, because of his understanding of what Aristotle had done, Thomas thought that it was uh, possible, even necessary, um, in terms of demonstration now, it was necessary for us to demonstrate the truth of theism by virtue of the application of uh, reason, and, and Thomas thought that could be done by reason alone. So in that, in that situation, the principium of apologetics is reason and not revelation. That, to me, is a serious problem if, if your theology is reformed. Then um, evidentialists, so-called, would want to say that if you have a number of evidences that you're mounting for the truth of Christianity, um, then those evidences ought to be convincing. I remember reading one author who said uh, anyone with moral honesty ought to concede that these evidences prove what they're meant to prove. Well, the problem, again, is theologically that the unbeliever is is bent against moral honesty. He won't want to recognize and therefore will interpret those evidences not according to some neutral uh, understanding, but uh, in, interpret those evidences according to his bent of suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. So having said that, it's, it's, it's um, licit, I think. Um, it's allowed in, in a covenantal approach, the way I think about it, um, to employ some evidences or even some uh, arguments, certainly some arguments, um, the, the kinds that Thomas Aquinas used. But the, when we do that, we need to think carefully about the foundation and assumptions that we're buying into when we do that and make sure that our foundation is God and his revelation and not some neutral notion of evidence or reason. Well, that's very helpful, and we really appreciate your time. Scott Oliphant, thank you for, uh, for sitting in here. Thank you, Jonathan. You've been listening to Theology on the Go, a podcast of placefortruth.org. Place for Truth wishes to be thoughtful and accessible, and is based on the conviction that the gains of the Protestant Reformation retain their potency and ought to be maintained for the health of Christ's Church. Theology on the Go is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Our ministries include placefortruth.org, the Bible Study Hour with James Montgomery Boyce, and events such as the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology and various Reformation societies. To learn more about the Alliance, visit alliancenet.org or call 800-488-1888. Just for listening, we'd like to equip you with free resources. Visit placefortruth.org to find a link to those resources. And listen next time to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.